Heiser, this is the Heiser Report. Hey, you know, um, fake news, fake money. How about fake meat? Stacy. This is beyond crazy, and it's beyond Kaiser, apparently. We're now the Heiser Report. But, uh, you know, there's a, a new company on the NASDAQ trading. It's one of these um, wannabe unicorns. It's uh, called Beyond Meat. And... It's packaged and sold and part of this new economy of beyond any value, beyond any protein, beyond any content, beyond any real ingredients. It's all artificial ingredients sold as uh, something to save the world. And in 2018, Beyond Meat lost $29.9 million on revenue of $87.9 million. And yet it was trading at $69 a share, $4 billion market cap. Uh, what? It's losing a lot of money on its fake <laughs> fake meat, and it's <laughs> it's beyond crazy. But investors, you know, it did pop by what was it, 176 percent on its opening, and on its IPO, and um, this is beyond crazy. <laughs> well, it's unicorn meat. That's uh, it's there. They have a vast herds of unicorn that they raise on the wild plains of North Dakota, and then they harvest those unicorns and they package them into uh, patties, and they're sold uh, as beyond meat, you know. And uh, of course it's worth $4 billion, because in an era of fake news and fake money, why not have fake meat? So fake has become the new real, and real has become too expensive. No one can afford meat going forward. I mean, the idea of getting a porterhouse steak will cost, you know, $500,000, and only Warren Buffett will be there, and Smith and Walensky every year having lunch with the billionaire, eating a real meat that was taken from a cow, and it'll be $500,000. Meanwhile, everyone else will be eating bug-encrusted bug dogs or uh, bug meat and, uh, you know, harvested from the uh, locusts that are invading our daily lives in a biblical nightmares and then frying that up as an upside of having uh, un uniform basic locust meat patties, and there'll be Bernie Sanders and Nancy Pelosi. Get, everyone's going to get an Andrew Yang, universal basic yak meat. Uh, not even yak meat. That's yak meat. Yeah, unicorn yak meat. Good. Unicorn meat don't exist. Meat. But they'll tell, people will believe it. Within five years, people will believe that unicorns are real. And we'll be in the period of time where oldsters, that we remember a time before unicorns existed. And... You know, another myth going around is that the Fed is unwinding QE, the economy is amazing, there's real growth, everything is perfect, and all those newly minted billionaires on Wall Street, remember Jamie Dimon, Lloyd Blankfein, they became personally billionaires since the financial crisis. That seems unusual, right? Because how do they become billionaires in an economy that is decimated and all we have left are unicorns running around in North Dakota? Well, the Fed will give banks a $36 billion taxpayer-funded subsidy this year. So this actually comes ultimately from the Treasury. Is pay, They pay banks $36 billion this year. And this is a, something that a lot of people don't point out to what has been happening in the United States. In particular, it's not happening in Europe because they have negative rates on deposit. But before 2009, the Fed did not pay interest on banks' excess reserves held at the Fed. This practice was introduced as a taxpayer-funded subsidy to the banks 
during the crisis. Taxpayer funded because the Fed turns over any profit at the end of the year to the Treasury. So the Fed is paying what should have been going to the Treasury. And instead, we're now, we, we decided through some ledger domain to pay the bankers instead. So this $36 billion that is going to the bankers would have gone to the taxpayer. And to put that into context, how much we're gifting them this year, and it's let's position it as welfare. Some people don't have that much money and they need food stamps. Well, this is about 50% of the food stamp budget. So this is how much we're giving, the, these, this is food, stamp, food stamps for Wall Street, essentially. Well, it's a two-tier economy. There's two, two different worlds that, list, that exist in America. So if I go into a big bank, uh, Bank of America, Citibank, Wells Fargo Bank, and I say, uh, I want to borrow $100,000, and I want you to charge me a 0% interest rate on that, and then I want to deposit that $100,000 at your bank, and I want you to pay me 5% on that, and I want to, therefore, collect all that income uh, and get it tax-free. Okay, can I do that? No. No. But a bank can do that. Yeah. These same banks can go to the Federal Reserve Bank and say, I'd like to borrow a billion dollars, uh, charge me nothing, and then I want to deposit it with you and I want to collect an interest on that tax rate. The article points out that there is no provision for this to ever be paid back. So it's genuinely food stamps for Wall Street. Um, food stamp recipients themselves are nonstop maligned on Fox, on CNBC, on CNN, on the cable news. They're maligned and, and berated and made to feel like <laughs> nobody ever talks about these bankers being gifted 36 billion a year, and I think it was even higher last year. If the banks have been required to take excess reserves back onto their books, it would have required financial disclosure of their quality, which is probably toxic for many. However, with the Financial Accounting Standards Board recently promulgating Financial Accounting Statements 56 and previously 157, which was the Extend and Pretend Statement, it would seem they feel less and less need for financial disclosure of any kind because FAST 56, the you know, Financial Accounting Statements 56, states that the government does not have to disclose what it spends taxpayers' money on because of national security concerns. Oh my, Craig Wright is running the Fed. So in other words, um, the banks were caught um, um, committing accounting fraud, that they had billions, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of assets on their books that they claimed are worth, let's say, 100 cents in the dollar that are actually worth zero. So the government, the federal government, uh, the institution that we support with our, our taxes, say, gave them a deal. They said, look, either, either you're going to have to fess up to the fact that you're insolvent, or you're going to have to let us engage in this massive fraud where you borrow money from us for zero percent and then deposit it back with us so that you can generate enough money to paper over your fraud. That, that's your choice. We started off with Beyond Meat and there used to be a thing called meat and that was taken from cattle, from cows, from goats, from you know various pigs and creatures. Bunny like rabbits. That. Yeah, bunny rabbits, squirrels and people would eat this thing called meat. Then we, uh, everybody in their minds was trained to think of meat as something that you need, protein, it builds, you know, power and wealth and internal, you know, your body wealth. And then we swapped it out with a thing that we still called meat, just like corn. It, the corn maize used to have proteins in it, and now it has nothing but starch and blah. And, you know, so we created something that just makes you fat, doesn't 
doesn't help you with any nutrients, doesn't build body strength, doesn't build anything. Here's the same thing, is we used to have banks that lent to the economy, lent to, for mortgages, lent for businesses, and tried to create wealth for the economy. Now, the Fed looked at their books and said, oh my God, this is worth nothing. However, we could have a unicorn economy instead. We'll swap all that out. If we keep on doing, well, you used to perform magic tricks in, in Times Square. How do you, uh, you know, distract people? You keep on moving the, the, the little cups so nobody knows where, where the little ball is. Right? Well, we learned Here. in the crisis that it's not an insolvency issue. It's an illiquidity issue. You know, we just got to keep moving the cup and ball faster and faster. So but nobody can look at it. So nobody could do an audit of it. That's no, why can't do an audit they keep it. on swapping it between the banks and the Fed over and no, over. Right, remember the Lehman uh, Repo 105 scandal yeah. during, the, during the scandal is that every time the auditors came to look at Lehman's books, they moved their debts into an offshore or a special purpose vehicle. Then the, the auditors would go to the next bank and then they would move those back to their bank. And then that bank would be looked by Lehman. So it's this constant shell game that we learned. Now, you know, there is this huge garbage patch in the middle of the ocean that's like three times the size of France. It's plastic garbage. That the, the Federal Reserve around the world, the central banks, you have to understand that they're, they are exuding, uh, you know, garbage. Fiat money is garbage. Uh, and when whale, we find a whale with hundreds of pounds of plastic in its gut and it died from garbage consumption, I mean, look at the average American is dying from the garbage consumption of high fructose corn syrup. And there, well, people say, me. oh, the price of, 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 of food's gone down. Um, you know, and if you don't, you know, believe us, it's true. I, I do believe you because I see a massive obesity problem in this country. And that's the price of having fake food that even you could, they shouldn't charge even a penny for it. It's like eating plastic. It is plastic and many times it's just plastic. I mean, there are a lot of fast food restaurants that actually supplement their buffet, all you can eat buffets, with actual bags of plastic. If you talk to anyone in the fast food industry, they'll say, yeah, you know, that, that fish dish is actually 20% actual plastic that we add to as filler. So again, the Financial Accounting Standards Board is introducing this new uh, accounting standard of FAST 2056. I, you don't have to tell us what's on your books under national security reasons, because obviously the national security issue is that if people stop believing in the value of the dollar, then, or whatever your fiat is, then of course it all falls apart. So I'm gonna look at another national security issue for the counterparties to uh, this toxic debt. Central banks are ditching the dollar for gold. So that's, uh, a, <laughs> that's a headline from Bloomberg. I think those go hand in hand. If you're the creditor to a nation where they're introducing new accounting standards, increasingly uh, uh, basically hiding more and more information about what is actually in that nothing burger, well, first quarter gold purchases by central banks led by Russia and China were the highest in six years as countries diversify their assets away from the US dollar. Global gold reserves rose by 145.5 tons in the first quarter, which is a 68% increase from a year earlier. And it wasn't just uh, Russia and China, but Kazakhstan and Turkey, which also are you know, usual gold buyers, but new to this, uh, this year uh, for the first time since 2014 was Ecuador. Uh, Qatar and Colombia are also starting to stockpile some gold. Yeah, every country where this show is broadcast is buying gold because as we've been educating countries for 10 years now, if you don't, if you don't own gold, you forget it. You're done. You're toast. Like beyond meat, this is beyond fiat. People uh, are seeing that 
you know, if you look at the world and you see that a lot of people are engaged in this, they, they forgot that underlying our global economy, even to this day, with all that fiat, all those derivatives, the fact is it's still backed by gold at the end of the day. So you want to own the gold, you want to own the meat, and yet inflows into exchange-traded funds backed by gold during January have been wiped out over the rest of the year, and ETF levels are now at their lowest in four months. So people were taking out even their, like it was a paper claim on some gold, they would never get the physical gold. Nevertheless, it was at least a little bit closer to the real thing, the, the real value, the real meat. Um, but they've been taking their money out and putting it into beyond meat. So, you know, they're, at the end of the day, once this whole thing falls apart and the, and the unicorn is exposed as just a horse with a cone on its head, you know, people are going to be shocked. Right. We've never left the gold standard. Uh, well, okay, we're going to take a break beyond this segment into the next, over the vast chasm of this break of important information that you simply cannot live without. Stay tuned for much more coming your way. Welcome back to the Kaiser Report. I'm Max Kaiser. Time now to return to the man who often schools the CNBC analysts on what's really going on in the economy. Has made brilliant videos on YouTube over the years. Check those out. They've got millions of views. Peter, welcome back to the Kaiser Report. Thanks for having me back. Although I don't school too many people on CNBC anymore because they stopped having me on. You're too good. <laughs> I mean, the truth hurts. You know, they have Rachel Maddow instead. Okay, so Peter Schiff, a venture capitalist this week, suggested there'll be never again a recession as central banks will not allow it. He did not say this was a good thing. He also saw growth forever being anemic, as in Japan. You know, he recently on the central bank, the Fed, change their policy. They, they now openly decide that permanent quantitative easing is the way to go. And uh, is, is this going to work, Peter? No, although he, I guess he didn't rule out a depression. So maybe he'll be right. Instead of a recession, we'll end up with a depression. Uh, but it won't be the depression that people read about from the 1930s, because under, during that depression, consumers were relieved because prices went down. This time, prices are going way up. And what we might end up having is hyperinflation, and that's the worst possible economic scenario. Look, the only reason that the dollar didn't collapse as a result of QE1, QE2, was because everybody believed that it was temporary, that the Fed could actually reverse the policy and remove the liquidity. They had an exit strategy. And people to this day still believe that, despite the fact that it's clear that the Fed has no ability to do that because they already had to call off the, the hikes uh, based on the first decline in the market as soon as we hit a bear market. But I do think when this next recession starts, and it is going to start, I mean, we're on the cusp of it now, despite that 3.1% uh, GDP print in Q1, if you look beneath that headline, there were a lot of problems in that GDP number, and it doesn't look good for Q2 or any of the quarters probably thereafter. But when the Fed goes back to zero, when they launch QE4, which will be bigger than the first three combined, in fact, if you look at the size of the federal budget deficits now, the government is borrowing almost a trillion and a half per year, and the recession hasn't even started yet, which means when we go into recession, you can expect $3 trillion per year budget deficits. I mean, that's going to require the mother of all QEs to monetize. And when the Fed has to do that, nobody is going to believe it's temporary. Nobody is going to believe they'll ever be able to shrink that balance sheet. Nobody is going to believe they'll ever be able to normalize interest rates. And as inflation really starts to pick up, 
which is exactly what it's going to do during the next recession as the dollar weakens. Uh, you're going to see stagflation, and that's going to result in a dollar crisis. Now, one of your former neighbors up there in Connecticut, Ray Dalio, um, <laughs> he, he expects um, what he would call MMT-like policies. That would be monetary, uh, modern monetary theory-like policies to emerge soon. Uh, okay, I guess this is in part and parcel with talking to Democrats about uh, introducing all kinds of um, socialism, et cetera. What, what are your thoughts on this, Peter? I agree that I think they're going to try it. It's just not going to last very long because it's going to blow up very quickly. Uh, you know, we're going to have a, a dollar crisis, and then it doesn't matter how much money you print. If you can't buy anything with it, you know, then it doesn't do any good. I mean, if you've got all these liberals that think they can finance socialism by printing money, well, if nobody wants the money, then it doesn't matter how much you print because the prices keep going up and you can't buy anything. But I do think that we're going to try that. I mean, we've tried everything else. And I think that when this next recession starts and it's going to be blamed on capitalism, it's going to be blamed on Trump. Uh, and it may well mean that we have a socialist president in 2021 and a socialist Congress. And obviously, they're going to raise taxes on the rich. But that's not going to generate anywhere near the amount of money that they would need to finance this laundry list of socialist programs that they've been promising the voters. So the only way to attempt to finance it is through printing money. Uh, but of course, it's not going to work. Uh, they'll try it, but the, the money will collapse in value, and then we're going to have a real crisis. Peter Schiff, let's return to Bitcoin. I know you got a debate coming <laughs> up with uh, Barry Silbert in Vegas, but here's some here's some ideas here. So recently, somebody moved over two hundred million dollars in Bitcoin on on chain. It costs less than four dollars to make this transaction, and uh, so again, when you when you compare that to fiat money or even gold. How do you compete with that? It took Germany seven years to move some of their gold from New York to Frankfurt. Well, when you say only $4, I mean, I don't know where the price was and how much the market had to move to accommodate that large a trade, but I'm, I'm assuming that there was some type of discount in order to get it moved. And so there's no way that uh, it was done for $4. Maybe the, maybe the fee was $4, but the market would have to adjust the price in order to find a buyer uh, for, for that large a trade. You know, you're referring <laughs> to some slippage going on, and uh, in this case, there was none. The actual cost of moving that amount of money on chain is, in fact, $4. I mean, that's the beauty of, one of the beauties of this technology, and that's why it's, well, the market is seeming to favor it in a big way. Check that out. I want to I move on because you, you can check that data yourself, but I want to move on. Uh, we have some viewer questions. One asked, is there a price at which uh, Peter Schiff would agree to come back on the Kaiser Report and look in the camera and say I was wrong about Bitcoin. Well, wrong in, in, in what respect? I mean, I don't have, you know, a upward price target. Look, you I mean, is it possible that the price of Bitcoin can go higher? Well, of course. Is it possible that it can go all the way back up to 20,000? Look, every, anything is possible. I would say that it's probable that it won't, that it's more that I think it's more likely than not that 20,000 was the peak of this bubble. But you know, could the bump, could the peak be higher? Of course, right? Nothing is for right. sure. Right. Well, I, I think that but, the, the question is, is is not a great question because it's not actually Peter Schiff that or anyone else. It's really it, the, the market itself is going to determine what the outcome of this all is. Uh, so it's not really price has anything much to do with it. But uh, let me ask another question from a viewer says, 
why does Peter ignore technology? Bitcoin, Tesla, I, solar, <laughs> wind, robotics, 3D printing. Okay, is this true, Peter? Are you are you a I, luddite? I, I don't ignore technology. I embrace technology. It just you know why do the people who like Bitcoin ignore you know monetary history? Why do they ignore economics? Why do they ignore logic and reality? You know, just because there's a technology around Bitcoin doesn't mean Bitcoin has any value as money or that it'll ever be a store of value. I mean, I, you know, I, I think a lot of people want to accuse me of just not knowing enough about Bitcoin. The problem is I know too much about Bitcoin. That's why I'm not buying it. You know, it's the people who are buying it that don't know anything about it. But I think they're too blinded by the fact that it's gone up and the fact that they hope it keeps going up. You have a lot of people out there who actually believe that they are going to be very, very wealthy, and all they have to do is hold on to their Bitcoin. They don't have to actually work. They don't have to make any real money. They just have to hold on and hope, right? Just hodl these Bitcoins, and they'll be multimillionaires. Well, it's a nice fantasy, but it isn't going to happen. But a lot of people refuse to admit that because you know it, it basically rains on their parade, and so they, they're, they're, they're too mentally wedded to, to this to actually uh, see reality. Have you, by chance, read Safdina Moose's book, The Bitcoin Standard? Uh, no, okay. I haven't. I, mean, I haven't even heard of it. Okay, it's an excellent book. We'll send you a copy, courtesy of the Kaiser <laughs> Report, to get your thoughts on it. Um, you know, one of the nice attributes of Bitcoin, of course, versus gold, is that with gold, you still do need a third-party uh, verification on transactions, where with Bitcoin, you do not. This is another... Well, well wait, wait. Well, with Bitcoin, you... You need all these miners to verify all these transactions. You need a whole computer network. And, and by the way, to the extent that actually Bitcoin could succeed in scaling up where people around the world were actually using it on a regular basis as money, I think the cost to verify all these transactions as far as energy consumed would be so prohibitively high. I mean, it's like it probably would be the most expensive endeavor. I don't know what it, I've heard estimates, maybe one third of all the world's energy would have to be devoted to verifying Bitcoin transactions, which is an extremely expensive cost uh, to have for money. Compared to gold and everything comes with the gold and fiat money, gold, certainly, you know, it's gold less. Is, plus the gold energy- Gold is much cheaper, max. Plus more Once than 70% of, of the energy used in the uh, network of Bitcoin is renewable. And that, that number can go to 100%. So uh, it actually favors renewable energy. So uh, let's talk about Warren Buffett for a second. He is, of course, also anti-Bitcoin. I know you probably don't like being in the same camp as Warren. What are your thoughts on his enthusiasm for stock buybacks, however, Peter? Is this the best use of capital in your view? Why not return the money to shareholders via dividends instead of throwing it into these stock purchases? You know, the, the top line message is that we uh, want to reward shareholders, Peter. Why not just give them a dividend, Peter? They should give them a dividend. I mean, now that the tax rate between corporate dividends and capital gains are the same, uh, yeah, I mean, why not return the cash to shareholders? And they can decide if they think the stock is undervalued and they can buy more. So they're, I, just, I pump, like they're just pumping up the value of the stock options, Peter. That's all they're doing, I, and it's not right. You're not going to get an argument from me, but I don't think the government should do anything about it. But I think the reality is the government is what's fueling it with the cheap money. If it wasn't for the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates artificially low, we wouldn't be having all these stock buybacks. Yeah, a lot okay. of it is financed by debt. And the debt is, is cheap because of the Fed. So if you're ups upset about this, get mad at the central banks for keeping the game going. When Charlie Munger says up on stage that when w Wells Fargo 
uh, stole money from a million customers, but he, he said it was, quote, an honest mistake. Do you, as somebody in the investment business, are you ashamed when someone like Charlie Munger besmirches your industry in such a way? I'm not exactly familiar with all the facts regarding what Wells Fargo uh, may have done with respect to customers. But, um, you know, I, I, I do agree with Munger and with um, Warren Buffett about some things. I certainly agree uh, with them when it comes to Bitcoin. Uh, you know, they have the same problem with it that I do. And, you know, Warren Buffett's a good stock picker. I mean, he knows how to analyze a business. I mean, I'm not going to take that away from him. But I do think a lot of the stuff he's been saying uh, about macroeconomics has been wrong. And in fact, once upon a time, I mean, he, you know, he was a buyer of gold. He was worried about inflation and big budget deficits. He said that himself. He said that, you know, he used to be concerned about the budget deficit. But now that it's gotten so big, now that the national debt has gotten so large and we haven't seen a problem, he know, now he no longer worries about it. Well, you know, I think just because just because the problem gets bigger doesn't mean it's gone away. And just because you haven't experienced the adverse consequences doesn't mean you won't. And by the way, we have experienced a lot of adverse consequences. It's just not evident in the stock market, but it is evident in the standard of living of the average American. I mean, that's the main reason that so many people voted for Trump, because we had eight years of a phony recovery under Barack Obama, and many voters knew that. Many voters realized that there was no real uh, recovery, that their circumstances had actually uh, gone down, that they were in worse shape after eight years of Obama uh, than they were uh, when he began. The All problem right, Peter. is That's Trump, gonna do Trump it. has simply you know, expanded those policies. We're out of time. Thanks for coming on the show. Okay. Anytime. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kaiser Report with me, Max Kaiser, and Stacey Herbert. I'd like to thank our extra special, special guests, soon to be debating Barry Silver in Vegas on this famous Bitcoin versus gold debate, Peter Schiff. If you want to catch us on Twitter, it's Kaiser Report. Until next time, bye, y'all. <laughs>